Welcome to Rise Smile Films, the film review podcast that mixes cinema with fine spirits. Journey with us as we encounter new, old, and strange films with the occasional dabble into sports and music. Proceed with caution as these podcasts feature spoilers and some mature language. This is Matt. And this is Jesse. Today on tap, we have Speed starring Keanu Reeves, Dennis Hopper, Sandra Bullock, and Jeff Daniels. Written by Graham Yost and directed by Jan DeBont. Welcome back to Rice Smile Films. It's time to start a new film review cask and one that feels oh so summery, right? Mm. The weather's getting warmer. Uh, the summer movie season's in full swing. Uh, and we decided, yeah, let's let's blow it up a bit. Yeah. Yeah. So the 90s action stalwart cast. Like this, let's just let's just dive right in with some 90s staples. I think we set up pretty well in the at the end of the last episode. Something was in the water or in the blood or in Hollywood that like action just kicked ass in this decade. Two genres that are great in this decade, right? Yeah. This one? Yeah. And the thriller. Uh, you know what's not good? Horror. Horror. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Animated films are pretty good in this decade. Mm-hmm. Lion King, Pixar's getting off to a good start. But yeah, thriller. Yeah, that like uh Joe Esterhouse thriller. And mm-hmm. Jan de Bont has some ties to Mr. Verhoeven. He was the DP on Basic Instinct and uh Few a few of his other earlier films, so mm. uh, I'm excited to dive right in. Uh, here we have the Kentucky One, the Wise Man uh, Whiskey Edition. This is uh, Kentucky Straight Rye Whiskey. Uh, this is the label I was telling you about when you were on vacation. I just, it's like kind of like a dollar like yeah. design. Yep. Could probably find some Illuminati thing in there or something. <laughs> <laughs> See if my Freemason yeah. ties can. Dig it out in there. Up oh, there's the third eye, and it's, and it's for a rye whiskey, as we've kind of prefaced before. Pretty intense, you know. Pretty, they hit you fast, but then they settle down towards the back end. This is a pretty, pretty great drink, and I'll be honest, I bought it strictly because of the bottle. I thought it looked cool. Steep price? Uh, no, that 50, was. 60? I think it was fifty-two. It's reasonable. Yeah. Good choice. The wise man. Who do you think the wise man is in this movie? Is it Jeff Daniels? Is he the wise sage of this film? I think so. He has a line. Uh, a drunken line, but I, th- I think it was pretty apt when he says, you know, you better watch out, Jack, because sooner or later you're going to bark up the wrong tree or something. And I know he was drunk when he said it, but it felt endearing mm-hmm. when he did deliver that. So the wise sage of speed. <laughs> yeah, I think um, it's an odd cast with him in there because he'll only ever be dumb and dumber to me. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think it works. It does. Yeah. They're a pretty good buddy pairing. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll talk we'll talk about him a little bit too, and just kind of him, much like Philip Seymour Hoffman, were, were able to kind of bounce back and forth between ridiculous comedy and like hard drama. I mm-hmm. mean, Jeff Daniels had that stint on the newsroom, and you look at the stuff he did. Something uh, something wild is that the Demi film with Melanie Griffith. Mm-hmm. He's had a lot of dramas too. Uh, so yeah, I can't wait to talk about the cast and this entire film, the screenplay, how it was made, a lot of cool nuggets that I dug up for this one. I can't wait to give them to you. So fantastic. Let's dive right into our flight question. So I gave you a three-parter this week, Mm -hmm. and what I said basing this film around Mr. Keanu Reeves is 
your three favorite Keanu Reeves characters in film. So roles that he played or character name, either one's fine. Um, three, three, two, two, one, one. Excellent. Great choice. I, we might have some slop over in this, in this list, uh, as you will, but pretty crazy filmography too. Just mm-hmm. everything from all that stuff with Coppola and Dracula around the same time too. And then to yeah, like you stated so well, Johnny mnemonic <laughs> chain reaction. You remember that one with mm-hmm. Morgan Freeman? Mm-hmm. Uh, that was on HBO a lot growing up. What was and that a walk in the wood or walk in, walk the, in the clouds <sighs> and sweet November? There you go. He's made like three or four movies with Charlize Theron. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's surprising that they never ended up together. Yeah, yeah. At least for a moment or two. Because were him and Bullock a thing after this? I think they were. I, That's funny you brought that up because I asked I asked my wife that question last night too. It, it kind of felt like it. Or I, I remember reading something that they were kindred spirits or something later that they just got along really well. And you, you can kind of tell. <laughs> It'd be three weeks in a row, right? If that's the case. So um, just ride with me on this one. Okay. So Goldblum and Dern. Okay. And then uh, Reeves and Bullock, and then Demi Moore and Bruce Willis next week. Yep, yep. I'm just kidding. We're not really doing Demi Moore. Did they ever even make a movie together? I don't think so, no. I don't either. Yeah, uh, that no, was he joke. wasn't in striptease. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was Burt Reynolds. Yeah. My number three, Bob Arctor. Uh, this is uh, from a Scanner Darkly. Uh, if you haven't seen Scanner Darkly, it's, it's just definitely a must-watch. I'm not going to tell you you're going to like it. You might not. Uh, but that rotoscope animation, so essentially they shot the movie for real and then rotoscoped animated over all the actors. Mm-hmm. And it gives it this real weird, like 3D, 4D animated film. And he's really good in it. Based on a Philip K. Dick uh, short story, Robert Downey Jr. is in that. He's really good. And that was kind of the, the right in the crux of his comeback career, too. But it's Keanu's vehicle, and, and his beard looks really good animated. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's my number three. What would you classify that genre film as? Is that sci-fi? That's sci-fi, yeah. I think it is, too. Because mm-hmm. there's definitely a, a tinge of maybe more than a tinge mm-hmm. of pretty just straight drama at that point in that film. Somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, number, choice. number three for me, um, Mr. Scott Favor from My Own Private Idaho, mm. the last good movie that Gus Van Zandt made. Yes, I did say that. Oh, wow. Um, I That's a buddy movie that's a con film with I think material that at that time in his career was probably pretty pretty risky to play with because it's homosexual and I'm, he was yeah. not seen as that and probably didn't want to be cast in that light because he was leading man stuff and getting huge, huge contracts. Mm-hmm. But he and River absolutely kill it in that film. And you end up getting a very strange kind of semi-romantic triangle in that um, based around um, con artists. I, that's that's been a long time since I've seen that film. Yeah, it's probably up for a rewatch. I've always really liked it. Yeah, and uh, uh, struck up a pretty good friendship with River Phoenix around that time too. Sadly, yes, the infamous Viper Room and <clears throat> mm-hmm. all that uh, business. Uh, yeah. I'll bring up that uh, a little bit later in in the show. Uh, I think when we did uh, Throne of Blood, we're talking about Shakespeare. I think I told you that that's supposed to be a loose adaptation of Henry the Fourth's Part One and Two and Henry the Fifth. Oh, really? Which I, don't remember I would have to sit down and really say, oh, yeah, this is that. Or, but that, that, that came up in some of my research. Cool. Yeah. I believe it. Good. My number two, uh, we did a whole cask on this series. It's great. It's one of the best revival stories of the last 10, 15 years. The movies kick ass. They're so much fun to watch. I think, and I think that's the crucial part. They're fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Wick. Uh kind of a bit different than a lot of other those assassin type characters he's very he doesn't speak a lot he's just 
it's just so fun to watch him just be this like efficient killing tool. And I think that's, that's why I really like watching it. And he's just, he's good in it. And we really like the world, the world building, everything about Mr. Wick, but that, that kind of had to show up on our list. Right. For sure. Yeah. All right. So then my number two is another Johnny, but Utah Mm. that's from point break. Nice. Uh, for a movie that arguably is Patrick Swayze's vehicle, I think he plays the ingenue cop really, really well. Um, sort of aptly sidekicked with uh, Gary Busey uh, mm-hmm. in the same sort of Jeff Daniels version in this kind of film. Oh, yeah. Sort of sage. Well said. But uh, I don't know if I want <clears throat> Gary Busey as my sage. I'll just say that. Not right now. Yeah. Not now. I think he plays it well. He has the athletic ability to pull off some of those scenes. Um I just think that's a really, really solid character film. And of 90s cop buddy movies, Mm -hmm. I think that's the best one with the most unlikely pairing. On paper, Swayze and Reeves don't seem to work. There's a huge age difference in there. but And just in their styles, too. Yeah. His transformation from by the book, but yet sort of smart ass to let your hair down and kind of go with the flow sort of mystic deal of surfing. I, I just think that that is such a good character and it's partly mm-hmm. why there's so many memes and such about it. Cause it's so, so mm-hmm. memorable. Yeah. But um, Johnny Utah's number two for me. Great choice. Great name too. Right. Yeah. Did you ever uh, dabble in that point break remake? Yeah. For a little while I couldn't do it. I didn't ever saw it. Yeah. No, I didn't hear good things. <laughs> right. Watch Fright Night remake again. Oh uh, yeah. It's going to do remake. Yeah. Uh, number one for me, uh, this had to be on, on the list here. And if it weren't for the sequels, just kind of <laughs> giving them such a bad name, even if I just picked it from the first film alone, this would still be my number one. And it's Neo Thomas Anderson from the matrix. Uh, we were talking a little bit off mic about how his career is like these crazy waves of hit, hit, hit. Oh my God, these are terrible. And then like a film will show up in there that just changes the crux of his trajectory. And that was the matrix. And just a wild thing that just specced screenplay that turned into like this cult classic sci-fi vehicle that has been ruined by all its sequels and meddling that they've, the mythology of that series is so stupid. Yeah. But that first film is a master action sci-fi masterpiece. And, Rock solid. Yeah. And he's great. I think Will Smith said he he passed on it and like later regretted it. Like it, that, it feels like a Keanu movie though. Right. Sure does. Just like him going like, Whoa, like I know Kung Fu. It's just like those words are just him. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, he took the time to learn all the fight choreography. I mean, he's great in them. I burned through all those Matrix movies when that new one came out in December, and God, it just gets repeatedly worse. But that first one is quite a highlight. You can just feel it about halfway through the second one, beat by beat, losing itself mm. and just nonsense, right? So what the hell are we doing here with the Oracle and the, the Merovingian and his wife, even though she's hot? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I had this freeway nonsense and these twins. It's just, it just the gets... The cave rave orgy and it's just... Oh, God. Like, oh, what? <laughs> that show, yeah, lost it. It's like two hours and 30 minutes. It's just way too long for its own good. Mm-hmm. And then Revolutions doubled down more. And I don't know if you saw Resurrections, but it just like... It did a cool thing, but it just wasn't for me. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, another legacy sequel, Matrix Resurrections. Neo, good choice. Yeah. So it gets me to number one, and you already mentioned it. Uh, shouldn't come as anybody's to surprise. It's listened to the show. It's John Wick for me. Yep. Um, I don't need to go over all that again. I love that movie. I love how he's able to play broken and old, yet still steadfastly determined to exact revenge for killing his dog. Um, so simple. Well, we like that, right? We do. 
so simple, but handled, although the, the revenge premise is simple, he is really comfortable in that other world with coins and hotels mm-hmm. and safe spaces and all that, that just, it just plays so well. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. Good choice. Uh, yeah. When we get in that chapter four <clears throat> next May, I think, uh, sure. We'll cover it. Oh, so I'm going to ask you a question before we leave this flight for a minute. Okay. As I was thinking about this and there's five or six other roles in there that we didn't get into that could easily work here. Right. Mm-hmm. I think when you take the totality of a career and look at iconic roles, I think number one on that list has to be Harrison Ford. Oh, yeah. Yes. With Solo and Jones and all the Patriot games, Jack, Jack Ryan, Ryan yeah. um, The Fugitive, like those four alone. Mm-hmm. Kimball is in the, it's got Bruce Kimball or something like that in the film. Um, John Kimball. Thank you. The Dr. John Kimball, yeah. And I know that someone said, well, what about John Wayne in the Westerns? And I'm not going to argue there, but I think maybe this is a little hot takey. I think Keanu Reeves and the characters that he's locked down mm-hmm. that we just, I mean, think about the four you just mentioned and we didn't even do speed because we don't allow ourselves to do the film we're doing on that. Day. I think this character would make my, my list. It's a poor man's Harrison Ford. Yeah. They kind of even are cut from the same aesthetic model. Are they not? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He's definitely up there. I mean, if he had like another like big role, I mean, it'd be like, I think really Oh, I think the other Rick Deckard from Blade Runner is kind of also in Ford's boat. Oh, right, sure. Who is he and and his character's name in Witness? Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, you're right. Ford's one, but yeah, Keanu's in the t- con- the conversation top five at, at least. So this is shocking that you just said that one more role because like we're thinking on the same wavelength, and we did not do this before the show. This is all cold right now, everybody. I'm going to ask you. I'll give you the category for that one more role, and I'm going to give you the category of. Marvel or DC hero that he gets not today, but the Keanu Reeves that we're doing like this, this speed aged level Keanu Reeves, like at the height of his Keanu Reeves okay. potential physically. So it doesn't have to be today. Doesn't have to be. It's it's can be made today, but with that age, like that proper age to pull off the stunts necessary to be that guy. So give him cast or uncast made or unmade. Do you think that gives him the final I don't think Marvel I, or DC role? I don't even think I need your aging rules. I'll go with, it, this could happen right now, and I'll be cool with it. I think he'd be a great silver surfer. Are you kidding me? Yeah, is that what you're calling it? Oh, my God. That's it. No, yes. Yeah. He'd be great at it. Do you know why? Because yeah. of Point Break. Yeah. And the voice. Like, Dude, that's you. I can't, of all of them, you just did yeah. the silver surfer. Yeah. Yes, the silver surfer. Mm-hmm. It just makes sense, right? I mean, And then I think he's there. Yeah. If they did like a motion capture like they did with Brolin and Thanos, like that could look cool. It could sound cool. Yeah, it could yeah. have some gravitas and pathos and ethos. And yep. Yeah, I'm with you. Maybe we run a podcast or something. Maybe we know each other. Yeah, that's, mm, maybe <laughs> spend some time sharing a thought or two. Yeah. Come on, Feige. Make that happen. Right. Yeah. Have that conversation. That would be golden. He has to be in discussions as marketable guys to put in a film oh, right now. Absolutely. Um, one more quick question for you, and then we'll get into the show. We're going to do Love and Thunder later this summer. Yeah. Bale's a big cast for a villain in this film. For sure. You think this one off and he gets killed, or is this the villain that survives the day and keeps going forward? Oh, good question. Uh, I'm going to go one off just Kinda because so too. that track record, man, is just like we got a guy, ooh, we got Kate Blanchett in the last one, mm-hmm. uh, Ragnarok, and yeah, she that was kind of a one and done type deal too, but. 
eventually they need some of these people to stick around. That's not Loki, right? Exactly. So, yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm excited for her, for Love and Thunder. Yeah, that's that's a good get for them, right? Bale, huge. Yeah, just yeah, him just doing what and of a character I know very little about. So I'm excited to go into that. I don't even know. I don't even know that character's name. Yeah, Gore the God Butcher. Gore the God. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Well. Coming soon, everybody, but here's here, to your list. Good job. Yeah, here to your list. Drink to your leg. Uh, let's dive list. right into our review breakdown of speed. This day has been real disappointing, I don't mind saying. Why, because you didn't get to kill everyone? There will come a time, boy, when you'll wish you never met me. Mr. I'm already there. You see, I'm in charge here. I drop this stick, huh? And they pick your friend up with a sponge. Are you ready to die, friend? Fuck you. Oh, in 200 years, we've come for my regret, but I have one life to give for my country to fuck you. Go ahead, drop the stick. Do it. Shut up, Harry. Oh, we got all the balls in the world right here, man. Get it up. You got nowhere to go. Shoot the hostage. <laughs> Say goodbye, Harry. Let's talk about the opening of the film here. Opening credits, real quick. I love these credits. It's like down the elevator shaft, you get all the names in a cool, unique way. And that theme, the speed theme, that doo 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 doo, that's a great theme. And it shows up many times throughout this this film. So it sets the tone perfectly for this. Like, it's going to be intense, it's going to be a ride. And then as we descend down that elevator and get right into the film, we're introduced to. Uh, Dennis Hopper's villain here. Let's talk about him and his motivation because this may be one of my favorite parts of the, of the film. This is a pretty good get for them, right? Yeah. Hopper is just, I always just cantankerous, psychotic. I think he says later, he's like, I'm not crazy, I'm eccentric. There's a difference. <laughs> poor, crazy is poor, rich is eccentric. Yeah, that's the line, yeah. yeah. Uh, he, uh, his backstory is interesting. Uh, he's this disgruntled uh, cop. Uh, that was in like a bomb accident. Looks like he didn't receive any type of like workman's comp for it. And then his pension retirement at the end was this cheap gold watch. Yeah. Seems spurned by the man a little bit, right? Especially his employer that he served for 30 plus years, probably. It's pretty simple motivation for a villain, right? To all the aspiring writers listening to this on a weekly basis, here's your lesson in screenwriting. Yeah. Give your antagonist mm-hmm. something that we can relate to that humanizes them a little bit. You don't have to make him a good guy, mm-hmm. but who doesn't have a little bit of sympathy for the guy who got blown up and then screwed over by the man with nothing except a cheap gold watch? Yeah. Really simple to do. It took all of 30 seconds for you to say it and probably less than that in the film for them to say it, but- it gives you a reason for not having a villain that wants to rule over rubble. rubble. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say that's refreshing not to have, like, we're destroying the universe to rule over nothing. Mm-hmm. Howard Payne is his name, by the way. <clears throat> mm-hmm. I loved it. I thought about you, too, when it happened. I was like, what? what is just a simple just premise. I mean, this is essentially like a, a ransom movie. He's going to hold this bunch uh, ransom later in this opening scene. It's this elevator uh with all these people in it, but it's just for, to get money, to get the money due, due owed me. Uh, I love it. It's just, it's great. It's, it's no different than Hans Gruber, right? Right. 
Dennis Hopper's a time machine. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean by that? Yeah. Every time he utters the word man, it's like you are put in a time machine back to the 1960s and onset of Easy Rider. Yeah. It's just, and I don't know what it is about that particular word. It does feel like 60s slang the way he uses it. And it's such a part of his upbringing and a very, I don't want to say checkered, but colorful film history. Yeah. Lots of drugs, lots of, I mean, I think his first appearance in film is actually Rebel Without a Cause. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we're going back to, you know, a long, long history. I saw an old, recently, a few months ago, a movie with him. It had to have been right after Rebel Without a Cause. It was called Night Tide, where he plays this sailor who gets seduced by a sea nymph. (laughs) Oh, no. It was kind of good. It was like like a, almost kind of like a cheesy Roger Corman horror film, cool. and he, he was great in it. He gave me like like Pattinson vibes, like how he was acting. I was say Lighthouse, a little bit like Lighthouse, yeah, uh, yeah. Between that, Easy Rider, his crazy turn in Apocalypse Now, between him, uh, Coppola, and Brando, just all fighting and yelling, and no one's learning anything. Crazy career, good Blue stuff Velvet. with Lynch. Well, and Wild at Heart, both. Mm-hmm. Um, is it, is it Wild at Heart? No, that's Defoe. It's just Blue Velvet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, Waterworld. Oh, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. He's not going to be your leading good guy, but he does with his beady-eyed, semi-Steve Buscemi-like appearance on screen play villain really, really well. And I feel like him being crazy is something that's a little too comfortable, and I find that slightly off-putting because he does crazy effortlessly. How do you do crazy effortlessly unless yeah. there's a little piece of you that's... Sure. Dipped your toes in that pond. Yeah, why not? Why not? Yeah, I got to see him one time at a. It was a 40th anniversary screening of Easy Rider. Actually, do you like that film? I I, I don't mind it. It's that era of movie that we really like. So that's just a road trip movie. That's just nuts. Yeah. Uh, So it was cool to see him. Kind of as close as I'm. I am to you right now. But he he was really thin and frail, and I think he died about a month after that. Um, Died young cancer too so live fast die hard right yeah it's hard to find a bad appearance in cinema from him even in the little bit he's in true grit he's gay he's great mm. in that too i mean he just dies in the in the cabin but great 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 actor you told me off uh mike before we started you completely forgot how this movie began like this is essentially a 15 to 20 minute cold open to all our characters and the plot this is a great way to start the movie. Uh, I, I, I like that it kind of pseudo shades Die Hard a little bit, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You know, all the stuff with elevator shafts and, and Die Hard. And this is essentially Die Hard on a bus is what the movie becomes. It had to have been how it was pitched. Sure. Uh, I kind of like that the movie's like, and we're doing Die Hard, and then we're going to amp it up a little bit more as the film goes on. But we get introduced to uh, Jack Traven, uh, Keanu Reeves, and, and Harry Temple, uh, Jeff Daniels. Odd duo, right? Mm. <laughs> Yeah, but I, I think it's endearing. I, I I like to kind of paint a history for these guys that's not told in the film that they've been doing this for a long time. And I think Daniels is kind of like almost like a surrogate father figure to him, too. That's kind of showed him the ropes and Daniels being obviously slower, not as physically fit as Reeves is. And we got to talk Reeves got pretty jacked for this movie yeah. compared to like Neo or yeah. even Wick for that matter. Like this was like, he spent some time in the gym, mm-hmm. different haircut for him too. Like this is a different a vehicle, but he's kind of taking him under his wing and he's kind of learned to curb his loose cannon and, and, and antics. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. 
What do you think of that? What do you think of that pairing? What do you think of just how they're introduced? I mean, when the car comes like careening over like a hill, it's a great introduction for these guys. The car careening over the hill, which is just like a 1985 sedan, like four-door cop sedan that catches 15 feet of air as it goes up. It's hard not to laugh, but it's it's not meant to be funny because this movie is telling you, hey, we're all in. Yep. The name of the movie is Speed. Yep. We're not going to dick around with family drama. Like this is buckle up and here we go. Yeah. And if we're taking that and doing it with a car, who knows? Maybe we'll have a, you know, a, a bus jump a hundred foot ravine over from one side to another. I maybe. love that. Who it knows? Is, yeah, maybe. <laughs> if you can get past what maybe seems like odd pairing on paper or the way those two guys look together, that pairing works because the veteran is able to reel in the reckless ingenue, mm-hmm. but the ingenue adds the physical element mm. That literally is taken from the veteran because after that scene that you played at the beginning in the sound, yep. when he's shot, he's essentially limped the rest of the film. Yep. So, if well, because it takes place the next day, right? Right. Yeah. Buddy movie and cops. Guess what's a good idea to go with Jesse? Mm-hmm. Let's try brains and brawn. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, it works. So here's a theme for today, everybody. Yeah. Simple. Yeah. I like Just it. execute it. They, they played to each other's strengths too. Yeah. And along the way, I mean, when when Reeves is under the bus later on and is able to mm. decipher which wire and copper fitting in this that, it's like yeah, he learned that from Bridges, right? Or not Bridges, uh, Jeff Daniels, right? Uh, so he's learned a, a lot along the way. Mm-hmm. This is a great partnership, and it's kind of a little tragic how it turns out for for them. And yeah. I'll, I'll play a little clip of that later. But here we are in this building. Hey, who's their boss, Matt? Yeah, Miles Dyson. Miles Dyson. <laughs> Dude, man, uh, Joe Morton's been mentioned more on this podcast. Maybe he's like rivaling. He's like, he's in some Paul Verhoeven numbers here. Yeah. <laughs> the Paul Verhoeven, Mount Rushmore of times mentioned. Oh, yeah. It's just like, he's their boss. And like, it's not a small part. I mean, he's following the bus like the entire movie. <laughs> so if we're going to do the, you know, the Mount Rushmore of times mentioned on the show, I've got your four. Okay. It's Miles Dyson. It's Paul Verhoeven. It's Clive Owen. And who's the uh, who's got to be the other one? Come on, you know. Well, Piper Laurie, right? Nope. No? Male. If his first movie he wasn't even in, even though it was called The Invisible Oh, Clive Man. Owen. Oh, no, 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 no. Claude Rains. Right? Duh. It's got to be those four. <laughs> those guys make it on here a What lot. a Mount Rushmore of cinema. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love that Claude Rains, as much as he's been on the podcast, his first movie is a movie that he wasn't even in. That's how just commonplace Claude Rains was. Yep. God bless him. Yeah, I know, right? To those four. <laughs> to that. So Howard Payne, he, I mean, he uh, detonates. Well, first of all, he's, he shoves a screwdriver in this guy's forehead, in this Ooh. guy's head, a brutal death. And then detonates this uh, elevator, but doesn't fully drop it because now this is being held hostage for money. Yeah. $3 million. And until you pay that, I'm going to hold it and I'll, I'll blow the rest. Uh, so the, the, the SWAT comes in, you guys are on bomb or bomb detail. You got to kind of, kind of figure out and they come up with a pretty good plan here to let's catch this thing before it falls. Because the way they, they analyze the layout of the bomb is like, he's going to do it anyway. So now we're doing, dealing with the loose cannon villain here too. So sympathetic, smart, psychotic. And unpredictable. Ooh, now, now, now we're cooking with fire here, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So they rig up this like crane system to to hook onto the elevator. And when he hears the meddling with it, he, I mean, he lets it detonate, and like all these people are just like freaking out. They don't know what's going on. And this is a good moment of tension here too. And you just like you wouldn't even think how like on the edge of your seat this film's going to make you several times. But them trying to get the people out of that elevator while it keeps dipping, like. 
a little more like every eight seconds. It's just like, are they going to be able to get them out in time? And when Reeves or uh, Jack has uh, his arm in there and that woman won't come to him, he's like, come on, I'm not going to leave you. I think we learned a, a lot of things so that Jack's daredevil for mm. sure. But B, I think, is a real good-natured guy. Yeah. Uh, and is willing to, like, I'll let this elevator chop my arm off if if you if, or I'm going to come in there and get you, I think is what he says. And they get her out of there just in a nick of time. Like it's it's a great moment of tension, but it like it it expands on his character so much. When you take a hero, like a hero mm-hmm. and build him that way, that at all costs I'm gonna be you know, the Dudley do right. You have to be careful because they can come become really, really one-dimensional. Man, I'm tongue-tied right now. Sure. They can become one-dimensional. That's our problem, I think, sometimes with Superman. Yeah. Somehow, and I'm not exactly sure I've figured out why they're able to not do that with him in this film. Yeah. Um, it's earnest. It's an earnest character who's has like a real knack for wanting to do good. You, you can do that in film. If the character makes a few mistakes along the way, he doesn't though. Really? Uh, he's pretty perfect in this film. He, with does, just a, he does make a few mistakes. I mean, him shoving the, the screwdriver into the gas tank okay, later yeah. causes more problems, but I think he's fallible. I mean, he's not perfect. I think, and this we'll get into this later once we get on the bus and get going, I think one of the things that helps a lot in this film is the scene when Sandra Bullock gets behind the wheel mm. and Keanu Reeves freaks out and she says, you can't do this right now. I need you. Oh, you've got it. Look at that. scared and we need you right now all right i can't do this by myself please jack please boy i can't believe you had that we're on we're on fire today yeah that's one of my favorite scenes of the film it's a moment where they let him just let loose keanu Mm -hmm. but in a moment that's just everyone's so tense and stressed out it's okay to show a little emotion like let it out like you just found out that jeff daniels got blown up in in the house right yeah He's allowed to be like that. So just fully go for it. And then Sandra Bullock nicely kind of like, I'm going to let you have your little tantrum, but I need you. Like, I, you can't fall apart now when we're so close to maybe getting out of here. We're jumping way ahead of ourselves by playing that sound mm-hmm. now. So sorry to steal your thunder mm-hmm. on it a little bit. Mm-hmm. But to the larger kind of context of his character in this, in this film, if you take by all means necessary, I'm only going to do the right thing. And even if it's completely ridiculously dangerous. I must save you. You do get kind of a gross boy scout sort of thing, but for some reason, it's partly that I didn't get that from him in this. You just, you can get really wooden, boring, lame ass characters. He's not though. Yeah. And I wonder if it's something that, you know, sometimes on film, some people just seem effortlessly comfortable in front of the camera. Stuart was like that. Grant was like that. Daniel Day-Lewis isn't like that. Like you can see him working. He, he pulls it off. He's working. Yeah. I think Keanu Reeves has that natural charisma that just allows me to ride with him and believe that this yeah. is real. Why not? Willis had that a little bit too. Eastwood has that. Yeah. Um, uh, Harrison Ford had that too. Right, yeah. sure. And it doesn't mean you're not good if you don't. Like I don't think Depp has that. Like Depp, I feel Depp working when I watch him. Yeah. So 
Yeah, he's almost off-putting on screen, right? Yeah. Yeah, he, so it takes a lot more to buy into his character. Downey's got that. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, for sure, yeah. <laughs> Jeff Bridges doesn't have that. You know who I think has it? Uh, current day, and I think that's just why they're shoving him into every movie imaginable. The Rock? I think Tom Holland has it, too. Okay, yeah, sure. I'll yeah. be bet. Yeah. So maybe there's... Um, a nice yin to the yang of the Boy Scout with his natural charisma. Because I don't know if you could play him. I don't know if I can see Keanu in that era as like hard-boiled cop no, with feet of clay. No way. No right? way. That's how it was written. Uh, so Yost. Hard-boiled? Yeah. Like the, he wrote it kind of like McLean, a little bit like intense. Yeah. Cantank- cantankerous. Mm. Uh, and it just kind of felt like a parody of itself. It felt like every, he said, every line kind of felt like a one-liner that we were like leading mm-hmm. to. So you know who they brought in to script doctor this thing, the Mr. Script Doctor of the 90s. John Sales. And, yeah, it could have been Sales. It was either him or Whedon, right? Oh, yeah. Joss Whedon, uh, who rewrote like 98% of the dialogue, they said. so. Really? Yeah, they kind of... Is he credited in the writing in he, this? He's not. So oh. I think it was just dialogue. I think it was a dialogue punch-up unless... You want to tell people what a script doctor is? Yeah. So... Kind of One, sweet gig, right? <laughs> damn right. I could see if you are only known as a script doctor, how it might be mm. frustrating, but yeah. here's the deal. Like some production company likes some adapted or spec material. They buy it from the writer. The writer gets first crack with notes from the production company to fix the six or seven or 25,000 things that they see wrong. What usually happens though, is they hire another writer about the same time and they get two versions of the script coming back. One of them is, I need these character points. I'm sorry, I need these story points, boom, 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 fixed. And the other is, this character, we like him, but he's too sassy. And that's the Joss Whedon role. And once you become that guy, you're known as the action dialogue script doctor, or you're the female widowed, and you become kind of pigeonholed into that, which I guess can be frustrating for a writer, but I don't know. Would you take that gig if they offered it to you? Absolutely. I would too. (laughs) We're not going to... Josh, what the hell is that guy's name? History Frank. of Violence? No, History of Violence. Josh. Oh, uh, Olson. We're not going to Josh Olson cry baby about this. No way. Getting the follow-up to the Wizard of Oz script. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, Story for another day, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so they, they basically hire you, and sometimes you get writing credit and sometimes you don't, but that's when you look at the writing titles mm-hmm. in a screenplay and you get the comma or the word and or the and symbol, the ampersand. Those are all indications of script doctor contributions to that. This is kind of rare. I mean, Graham Yost's sole writing credit. Uh, just, yeah. This is just my observation today. Even Top Gun Maverick and Jurassic, man, there's like four or five writers being credited on yeah. all these movies today. It's nuts. Was this spec? Yeah. How about that? Yep. Not based on anything. The, the, the 90s, that was the time I, of that yeah. too, right? Yeah. So. I wanted to go. Oh, so script doctor, he's coming in polished. So he's, he's, he, they really kind of humanized Travin a whole lot more. He became less of a John McClane clone and a more of that little Steve Rogersy that. Ah, uh, good. Perfect. Uh, that kind of, I don't like that either, but like there's some real great moments later, like when they're about to make the, the jump. Right. Mm-hmm. And he goes up to that elderly black couple and he's like, how about we put your things under, underneath the, the seat? Like the, the the manners that this he calls Sandra Bullock ma'am for the first half of this movie he's just so forthright earnest, and, I'm okay, and heroic I'm okay with it me too yeah, it's just it, it feels right and I think you're on to something I think it is the natural Reeves ability I think that's saying something Jesse because mm-hmm. as much as you and I like the anti-hero mm-hmm. 
the fact that we can take a Boy Scout the way Keanu Reeves is and really find him enduring or endearing, I guess, also enduring, speaks to, I think that's something that's neglected yeah. on Keanu Reeves. And I'd like to address this for just a minute. If sure, yeah, go ahead. I made a comment earlier about Dennis Hopper and his use of the word man being a time machine because it takes you back to the 60s and like, come on, man. Like, that's all the Play time. Play on the sirens, man. <laughs> Keanu Reeves has people doing him all the time, too. Yeah. And you can't change the way you speak. The The mannerisms that you speak with are just how you're built. You can do it a little bit if you're acting, but... Well, isn't this the argument we had with Stallone? <sighs> yes. Yeah. I think that for Reeves to be something more at this time than hero hero is really pushing it to a place that would never work. John Wick's an anti-hero. Yeah. But it's also not clean cut, gorgeous, ripped, you know, whatever Keanu Reeves was cast in casting circles at that time or thought of amongst the Hollywood elite. Yeah. If you take him and just say, well, all of his pantameter and every single one of his lines is the same. That's a bit like saying the way you and I speak is the same. That's just how you talk. Sure. So you can't really hold that against him unless you're holding that against everybody. Yeah. And I think that's an unfair criticism that's been levied. And I think it's taken a lot in the same way it has Stallone mm -hmm. because Rocky was so iconic. Yeah. He was just viewed as dumb. Yeah. The way Ree um, yeah, Reeves speaks is so iconic. He's just viewed as, you know, one car parade, one, one, one instrument band can pay one note. One note actor. I don't think that's fair because yeah. we've mentioned a whole bunch of films and we named four or five people. And there's a big difference between Neo yeah. and Jack Traven yeah. and John Wick. Yep. No, yeah. I think that's well said. It's, this is the, the, the Keanu Reeves uh, appreciation night, right? Yeah, man. I think so. I think this, this is a, this is a great role. And I think, I, I don't think this, this movie made a ton of money when it came out. We'll get to the numbers later, but I think it's, you know, it's just another notch in appreciation for him. I think, and it's the character. I just, I really noticed last night. Have you noticed that like, you know, when we, the movies you watch for the pot, you watch them just a little more closely. Yeah. Right. So I picked up on things that I don't think I've ever noticed. Like that, that thing of put your bags under there. Mm. Just have like the man, or like, I really like the scene coming up too. Like when he's getting his coffee and muffin and he has this kind of like, everyday verbatim with the bus driver. Yeah. Have a good one, Bob. Like catch you later. Just like, it's great. Right. It's just, it feels welcome and homely. And when this guy's going to turn it up a notch and just go full, like action hero, boy, does he, I mean, he, it, he, the character has range, dare I say. <clears throat> the familiarity that you're talking about the coffee shop. Here's an example of it not working. Did you see free guy? Yeah, I hated it. It was terrible. Yes. But as much as I thought the premise was silly and all that, guys, homey, folksy, friendly with the townies in that little place didn't work at all. Yeah. And I, I like I like Ryan Reeves. Yeah. Ryan Reynolds. I mean, right. Yeah. I, oh, I like I like him too. I like Ryan Reynolds a lot. Keanu Reeves and Ryan Reynolds had a child that's Ryan Reeves. There you go. I like Ryan Reynolds a lot. Yeah. And he also has that can be friendly and sort of great charisma. Is just how he is. Yeah. But there's an art to pulling that off. And if you if you mentioned it, I picked up on it too. It's working again in this film. Yeah. It's asking the elderly couple to put your bags under the seat. It's having respect for the woman driving the bus by calling her ma'am. Instead of leering at her like a weirdo, right? Right. Uh, exactly. Exactly. Just, uh, Not sexualizing her. Mm-hmm. 
and somehow through that, still kind of building up some tension as a couple between and the two And then it worked. Of them. By the end, I'm like, oh man, I'm ready for you guys to kiss at the end of this thing. Me too. <laughs> so good. <laughs> you you can't take all of those things and not sort of start to appreciate the common element in all of it. Yeah. And it's him, man. It is him. Right? Yeah, yeah it's solid. Yeah. So this, I love that you brought up the coffee scene bit. I'm glad you brought we'll, that up. We'll, we'll talk about it here in a, in a second. So... Pain, you know, the, the elevator falls, they save all the people, but they're like, man, he knew we were up to <laughs> something. Even out of the opening, cold opening. No, it's good. Yeah, just take your time. Take your time. Uh, we, uh, he's like, something was weird. He knew we were up to something. What about the freight elevator? So they go and investigate. And yeah, sure enough, he's right in there. Her, uh, Jeff Daniels gets, you know, thrust in and now he's a hostage. So what's he going to do? And they had a conversation earlier of like, I just, I would just shoot the hostage and get them out of the equation. So that's exactly what he does. Much to the chagrin, I would want to take a bullet to the thigh. God, that would be terrible. Yeah. But we think the villain has blown himself up. Yeah, let's, we'll give all the the cops a medal. We'll celebrate, you know, with all the people that they saved. And then, yeah, he's like, oh, that a boy, Jack. And, like, they did some great prosthetic work to his left hand. It's, like, all, like, bomb blown up. Yeah. Uh and so we know something's amiss. And so when we get to it the next the next day, well, let me backtrack because there's a couple great lines at the party with Miles Dyson. I don't know if you caught this, but he says, Miles Dyson. Thanks for doing your job and for not getting dead. <laughs> yeah. Don't get dead. Grammatically, that doesn't sound right to me. It should be like, thanks for doing your job and not getting killed, right? Yes. And he says it again later. So that must just be like an in-joke between this SWAT team, mm -hmm. something they tell each other. And so that I'm, I'm okay with it. Because it's not a one-off. It, it comes up like at least two more times. Okay, back to the writing element. If you're able to do that and use it over and over, then what you create is a common language shared among the characters on the screen, and that creates familiarity But in our minds that they've been <clears throat> through this and work closely together. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, again, simple. And then the line I never forget from this film, it, it's just etched in my brain, is, I'm going to go home, have some sex. Harry, you're going to go home and throw up. Well, yeah, that'll be fun, too. <laughs> so good. I love it. Just the banter between these guys. So mm -hmm. what's waiting for them on the other side is this rest of the film, the Die Hard on a Bus scenario. So we get that great interaction between uh, Bob... Uh, uh, the bus driver and Her uh, and Jack. This kind of seems like a daily rendezvous they have at the proto Starbucks here on <laughs> in Rodeo Drive or wherever Jack's living over here. And I like it. I just I just like how friendly it is. So when we're gonna kill Bob in literally like thirty seconds, it's kind of a shocking moment, right? I mean, like Reeves is gonna react the way he does, and we get this nugget. Yeah, we get this nugget, and this is. You want to talk about the screenwriting gold when Graham Yost, or if this was, we didn't like whoever wrote this, this is take this to school. When you just come after me. No, this is about me. This is about my money. This is about money due me, which I will collect $3.7 million. It's my nest egg, Jack. At my age, you got to think ahead. The want and need, right? When I find you. Pop quiz, hotshot. There's a bomb on a bus. Once the bus goes 50 miles an hour, the bomb is armed. If it drops below 50, it blows up. The rules. What do you do? What do you do? I'd want to know what bus it was. You think I'm going to tell you that? Yes. <laughs> Very good. There are rules, Jack. 
and I want you to get this right. No one goes off the bus. You try to take any passengers off the bus, I will detonate it. I want my money by 11 a.m. What do we talk about more? Keep it simple. Uh, uh, character uh, motivations for the villain. Uh, interesting, you know, backstories. Get but in late, leave early. Yeah, get in late. late yeah. yeah, show, don't tell mm-hmm. is the other one. The rules, man. Yep. Just a place where you know the parameters of where your film's going to exist. And if you go outside of those boundaries, you know there's consequences. And that's my big problem with Stranger Things this last season specifically is I don't know the rules to anything. The Upside Down just does whatever it wants. Right. Uh, a lot of stuff in Marvel just does whatever it wants. Well There's no thing. Here you just have a scene, an uh, exposition dump, which normally drives me crazy, but it establishes the rules that this film is going to abide by. That's screenwriting gold right there. In under three minutes with the motivations of the characters... When he asks Traven, mm-hmm. what do you do? The next thing would most likely be, I find where you're calling from and I kick your ass. Yeah, yeah. Instead, it's the hero, the Boy Scout. I need to know what bus it is because he knows he's not playing. Yeah. Even in this scene, there's a camaraderie between those two. Yep. Superior and anterior. And as the movie progresses, that's going to flip and they do it through a brilliant stealing a VHF feed, which we'll get to later on, which I think is so simple and smart. I don't even know if it's possible, but the way the film makes me believe it's possible okay, is perfect. Yeah, yeah, I'm good with that. Let's keep going. Because mm-hmm. otherwise the movie's slowing down and it's not called speed, it's called coast. Yeah. Because it's got to go. The movie's got to go. So, yeah, it's screenwriting gold. And you know what else makes it even more impressive? It's all done off screen with only eyes on Keanu mostly, listening to Hopper and watching Keanu's reactions. Yeah. Yeah, screenwriting gold. It's great. It's just, it's we live for these type of scenes where we know, all right, this is the movie, right? Let's get to it. And and no one's going to be confused. And there's not, and if you do that to the screenwriting element of storytelling, there's nothing you can do to trick the audience. These are the three rules. Yeah. So you've already. Okay, so yeah, the rules are once the bus goes over 50 miles an hour, the bomb's armed. If it goes below 50, it blows up and there's no getting people off of this bus. What do you do? Yeah, exactly. Literally, what do you I do? I don't know what you would do in this scenario. So you've created a huge obstacle mm-hmm. that he has to get over. And then by putting the people on the bus that they put on, with the exception of Cameron from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yeah. Those um, people are all pretty likable too. Yep. So you give him the role of protecting another group of people that seem to be very friendly with each other because they take the same bus on the same route every single day and share mm. a common a camaraderie or community there. They all know each other, yeah. In a sense, he's kind of the fish out of water that has to save them because he leaves his community to join their community with the most high stakes you can imagine, all of their lives and impossible odds. I didn't think we'd be talking so much screenplay on this on this Damn particular either. episode, but it's all there, right? Yeah. And then once they get on the bus, that little community on the bus all has a role, right? I yep. mean, like they all kind of have a purpose. Or Gigantor Ortiz yeah. is the muscle, right? Yeah. I mean, Alan Ruck is like this like worry ward that just like, got thrust in the worst situation. Mm-hmm. You have Helen who's just like we don't know what this woman's going to do. And then she just, she's the one that dies because she just, she can't handle the tension. Right. Yeah. You have Sam, the bus driver. I mean, it's just everything. See, is the just, fact that you know all their names. I do. 
No, that either means you've seen it too many times or speaks to being able to remember all of the side support characters. How many times have you and I pulled up support characters on the scent? Hold on, let me look on my phone and get that character's yeah, name. Yeah, exactly. You just did that cold. Your phone's not open. You just named them all off like this. Oh, thank you. Cold. So good job. I couldn't even do it last week when I couldn't remember the pilot's name in Jurassic Dominion. Perfect perfect example right it's everything everything just feels more fleshed out it feels like this feels like a real story yeah. we're just having a good time with it so this scene of keanu tailing the bus to get on to warn them hey there's a bomb on the bus this is another great sequence let's talk about sandra bullock for a, a second here she's okay. in here the female counterpart as annie She's going to be the love interest a little bit later. And she's going to take a pretty big role in this film, which is driving this bus so it doesn't go below 50. Not a slim task, right? No. What do you think about Sandra Bullock just in general? Uh, I'll go first. Uh, she's normally, it's just, yeah, I'm just not not a huge fan. There's there's a few films of hers that I, I really like. Um, but normally I'm just like, yeah, it's yeah, just whatever. I mean, she's not someone that draws me towards the, the theater. But for whatever reason, last night watching this, like mm-hmm. her role in this, I bought every second of it. And then her with Reeves uh, together, I mean, she like whatever she's wearing, this like horrible 90s chic outfit and this 90s Rachel from Friends haircut, mm. just would normally would just make me vomit. But for whatever reason, I, I just completely bought it. And maybe it's the stakes that the film set up as like, we don't want to see this person bite the dust. She was very endearing as well, watching this last night. I was just I, I I don't think I'd ever felt that way about her character before. So she's grown on me over the years. Uh this version of Sandy Bullock that's a little bit more kid friendly. I mean like kid like, I shouldn't say kid friendly, but young. She's fine. She's she's good in this and they're good together. Yeah. As she's gotten older, I've really grown to appreciate her a lot more. What's that? I'm just trying to look it up and you got back to me before I finished on my phone. So I'm sure you'll probably remember. What's the film she just did with Brad Pitt and Channing Tatum that um, oh, uh, from Bouncing the Stone? The Lost City? It's great. <laughs> the movie's pretty And she's funny. great in it. <laughs> and then for all of the things that I didn't like about Ocean 7 or whatever the hell one she, Eight. whatever that yeah. one was, she's that movie doesn't suck because of her. No. She's really, really gotten much better. And like you... If you were to ask me, are you a Sandra Bullock fan? I'd be like, eh, not really. Mm -hmm. But last night I'm like, you know what? In this movie, that version, like the Sandra Bullock today, I don't buy driving the bus. She could do it. Mm -hmm. I buy that 90s, 22-year-old Sandra Bullock way, way, way more than I ever thought that I did. I used to say that my two at that time least favorite contemporary actresses at the time were Meg Ryan and Sandra Bullock. Really? Meg Ryan hasn't aged well on me at all. And her career has gone to complete shit. And yeah, she's a hard pass for me on just about anything. Sure. Especially when a man loves a woman. And someday I'm going to have to tell you a crazy story about that movie. Okay. But anyway, Sandra Bullock upon revisitation kills this role. Yeah. She's good. Let me give you an example to sort of back up what I'm going to say here. Dunn and Grant, Hepburn and Stewart, certain pairings brought out the best of each other in cinema. Yeah. And some of that was because the actor was so talented. They were able to pull it out of them. I love Keanu Reeves, but Keanu Reeves is never going to go down as one of the all timers. Yeah. He's in my book. He is, Mm -hmm. but he's just not. Yeah. What I'm saying is I don't think you recognize him as this master technician of the craft. That's able to 
emote in such a way that he elicits such a response from his co-actors that we completely buy that. that I mean, that's magic. And very few people could do that. And most of the time it has to do with chemistry and they just love Wayne and O'Hara. Yep. Okay. Somehow in this, the two of them are really able to do it together. I mean, it's a sound that we brought up earlier talking about like, okay, freak out and throw your little fit. And then homeboy, I need you. Cause that's you and me yeah. against the world. Yeah, here. Need help. Yeah. And there's a magic between the two of them. The 15 times he rescues her and the bravery that she continues to show after almost dying again and again and again and again. And like, she's a rock dude. Yeah, I've survived a bus bomb incident. And now I have a bomb strapped to myself. <laughs> yeah. And now I'm handcuffed to this rail in the subway. Runaway train. Oh yeah. It's, it's crazy. Like what she has to go through before 12 o'clock, right? <laughs> before noon. You and I would break down just in LA midday traffic. Not much less yeah, having to I go 50 on a bus. I can't sit in that shit. Uh, so no, I'm with you. For whatever reason, watching last night, it just, I bought into it. I was just like, I was like, yeah, like this person who would rather drive because she's a reckless driver, right? That's why she had her license suspended, has yeah. to take the bus to work every day, uh, yeah. becomes the the stalwart uh, driving the bus in the midst of all this chaos. It's it's, it's a great move for, for the film. And I love that they give you plausible reason why she can't get out of the seat and let him drive because if the foot goes off the gas and it falls below 50. Mm-hmm. Which if you played it out, she probably could punch it, get out real quick and have him jump in and pick it up at 50 before. But he's better served in this film as the capable action while they need someone to play the role that she does. But then she does it and has some big moments because sitting behind sure. a wheel, Jesse, is essentially the scene you hate, the dinner time table, putting a fork in your mouth. Well, Very little you can do, but she's able to verbally yeah. give us plenty of action to be a great sidekick. I'll catch us up here in a second, but what about that moment too when she hits the baby carriage? Oh shit, yeah. A moment that would traumatize anybody. (laughs) I just killed a baby with this bus and it's this homeless woman with with these cans. Mm -hmm. Like if that was like a real baby, which this movie would never go there. I don't want any movie to go there, right? Yeah. But no one's recovering from that. They would have to remove her from the bus seat if that really happened. Yes, it's a moment of levity, but like the tension that this film constantly just keeps raising is, yeah, we're going to go there and we're going to put our characters through the craziest things. Like she's like, oh my God, like her reaction to that is just like how everyone would react. You do that to her in the first 30 minutes of this film and then you wipe out the girl that's trying to escape. Helen, yeah. Because he blows it up and she watches it and kind of it's her fault because the door, it's, the door could have been closed and she could have saved her. Yeah. Runs her over, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then runs her over. Yeah. And it gets, that's just the beginning for her. Yeah. Got a lot more coming. I'm looking forward to your favorite tasting note of this film because there's some great action bits, but this one might be one of my favorites. It's just Keanu getting onto the bus, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he finds the car in the middle of this gridlock. He's got to steal this, uh, this guy. I think his name's wheelie is what he calls him. Yeah. This, this Jaguar, right? This black Jag. And it looks like they let Keanu do some driving, right? I mean, yeah. there was some, like, overhead that obviously it didn't look like him, but there's some close-ups. I was like, they let him drive this car in, like, on the freeways. And I was surprised at this because this is the trailer. There's a couple trailer moments, right? It's Dennis Hopper's speech. Mm-hmm. It's the bus jump. And it's this moment here. I remember this as a kid, five years old, when this came out, the commercials for it. It was him jumping on the bus, right? Him jumping and then like the legs kind of dragging a little bit. Yeah. 
I was shocked to know this, and it happened so quick. Like, I didn't, like, freeze frame it, but Reeves performed the stunt himself. God, that's awesome. That's cool, right? To, much to the chagrin of the director, who was like, oh, my gosh, should we let him do it? But he, I guess, was practicing with it. It was like, let's do it. A great moment. I, I remember the, like, vivid memories as a child seeing a man jump from one car to a bus and his legs getting, like, hitting, like, the, the pavement. You better stick that landing, huh? You, yeah, exactly. But if he sticks the landing too much, mm-hmm. then it takes the tension out of the scene. It's realistic enough. Like average Joe Jack Traven is going to land like he did, right? I wonder in his films how much of his stunts he did on his own. I bet most of them. A he lot did. of them, right? I know. I know a lot of the Matrix stuff he did for sure. And I know Point Break. He learned how to surf. Yeah. The commitment, right? Yes. Acting's not just showing up on camera and reading lines. It's like if I'm going to do this, I'm going to really try and do this. Yeah. Yeah pretty cool it is pretty cool so we get some really great action bits here not so we've talked about the screenwriting reeves bullock and dennis hopper we're gonna talk about one more person here and then we're gonna get to the big moment of the film uh okay so we're in the middle of the la traffic it goes over 50 the bombs armed the this gangbanger on the bus thinks reeves is after him and Mm -hmm. ends up shooting the driver on accident so it becomes a problem. Bullet gets in the driver's seat, and now what are we doing? What are we going on? And Reeves gives it to them. There's a bomb on this bus, and of course everyone freaks out as as they will. Sure, Alan Ruck specifically. Yeah, <laughs> and it's just one disaster after another. Uh, traffic gridlock. They have to get they have to get off of the off of the freeway, right? So now they're in the middle of the city, driving down the road. They hit the baby carriage. Uh, the police are trying to clear roads for them. And so let's get them onto this stretch of freeway that's under construction. And then we'll see what we can play out. So it's all very tense, right? I mean, you're just like, gosh, like I, what's the, what more could this bus do? I mean, we took Die Hard, the concept, Nakatomi Plaza, the building, we put it in a moving vehicle. Mm-hmm. This genius, right? And I think it works better than on an airplane or a train because you can constantly, like, in, in an airplane, the air doesn't change, right? A mm-hmm. uh, train has the tracks and it's terrain. But, like, the city, they constantly keep switching up the geography that this bus has to go through. Like, what, what do you think about just the city, the diehard on a bus in the middle of Los Angeles? I think they are the same. The difference would be at Nakatomi Plaza, the different levels offer some different places. So you get sure. a different vision. Instead of doing that, which they can't because you're on the same bus and it's the same 25 seats or what have you. They change the exterior around it to keep it from getting boring. Now, this is screenwriting gold, single location. Everybody wants it. Yeah. The problem with single location is anything more than like 90 minutes, and you start to go like, okay, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. If you change in Die Hard, floor 38 is like the floor that's under construction, and floor 32 is where they have the computers, and then you have the the shafts and the air, you know, the, the HVAC. and all, Like there's things in there that give you at least something different to look at mm-hmm. in this on the bus. There can't be anything different to look at. So what you have to do is you have to, and this is really challenging to the writing, how much tension and conflict challenge can you create on a road? You have traffic and traffic, I guess there's traffic and more and maybe construction. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's all that you, that's aliens. What are you going to put on a fucking road? Well, this film decides to throw like to, create a solution for your issue you're bringing up. They put a baby carriage out in the middle of the right. road. They put kids crossing the street and then they put a 50 foot gap in the middle of this freeway. <laughs> so they're constantly giving that more barriers to overcome. There's a secret genius to this though, too. And this is, I think why this is such a enjoyed film by so many people. 
you and I will never climb up an elevator shaft. Oh no. We'll never climb through the HVAC system in Nakatomi Plaza, mm-hmm. but you know, we've all been in the bus and you would have also been in mm-hmm. traffic. Yep. And you have also been in construction and traffic. Yeah. So there's a relatability to that, that in just a normal everyday, the commute to work traffic pisses you off and yeah. you know how in a sense, in a speed sense, debilitating that could be mm-hmm. you'd kill to do 50 yeah. you know what you do in 50 kill to yep. do 50 yep and speed you kill to do 50 as well yep and then you put a little construct they just squeeze every little bit of creative conflict out of this they can possibly get and I, we've done it five times already to the writer that is writing genius well, genius let's, let's talk about how it looks on screen the, the action the direction <clears throat> yonder bond this is no, this is his first directorial film. He shot, he was the DP on Die Hard and uh, Basic Instinct and a few other films uh, around that time, action, sex thrillers and, and whatnot. But this is his first go at a major Hollywood studio. Actually, uh, John McTiernan was offered and he was like, eh, sounds like Die Hard. I don't want to do it, but talk to my DP. Mm. Maybe he wants to do it. So it was like kind of like a pay it forward type of thing. Cool. That's cool. It's a pretty good action directed film right i mean like hard to pull off because these shit's moving at high speeds yeah that's got to be hard to get that steady cam going man well i wondered a lot too i was like how did they clear so much so much mm. of this traffic too like and just like these streets like and not like completely gridlock because filming's a nightmare i mean it yeah. shuts down everything so they, they found a way and i mean the, these scenes it's it's not the paul greengrass style where you just can't focus on anything because we're moving like this yeah everything's so clear you can see it it's just, it's got a nice believability uh action sense to it it's very similar to die hard in, in that way yeah. so i hadn't thought about that you're absolutely right i hadn't considered if you're going to make an action movie that's filled with essentially big set pieces like this is how about you let me see them Optimus Prime and Megatron. Mm-hmm. How about you stop tumbling through the air with a tumbling camera and just let me see what's what. Yeah, it's not the the Michael Bay uh, side of things. And I think one of those is far more simpler than the either. Tumble, than the, tumbling through the air with big robots, that's hard to do. Not that this is easy, but just let me see it. I'll do this later with my rating because I was like, what the hell happened to Yonda Bond, man? Like, yeah, what, what did happen to him? I will tell you what happened to Yonda All right. Bond, okay? All right. It's to be continued. Well, we get the big moment, right? It's, the, it's on the... Poster, it's on the, it's in the trailer. It's there's a fifty foot gap in the road. It's huge, and how they're relaying that information is like, oh god, like it, and something else here. So <coughs> this is that moment here. Everybody, hold on! I don't care how ridiculous it looks and how that would probably be physically impossible for a bus to be able to do what it did, but the film makes me believe that it was possible. And between the music, the sound, and the acting, I'm like, I'm in it. And there's a moment, again, I had the subtitles on watching this, so that that elderly black couple, they're all huddled. Okay, what well, this is loaded. They're huddled let low, and before they hit the jump, uh, the woman goes, 
I hope we see our baby. Oh. Being that we hope we see our baby again to survive this, or we hope we see our baby on the other side. Exactly. Yes. That's what I thought. Never noticed that before. Mm-hmm. Oh, then that's heavy. <laughs> Little things like that. Yeah. Those moments of dialogue. I'm, you're going to call Sandra Bullock ma'am the whole time. Mm-hmm. You're going to make sure their luggage is put away because it's simple things like that. Yeah. Let me throw something at you for a minute. Okay. I believe that the way we watch a film for critical, like for critical analysis is the same way we read a book. When we read a book, we read a book on four levels. We go book to book in comparison in our minds as we're reading. We go book to self. We go book to world. And um, those three. Mm-hmm. Book to book, book to self, book to world. I think we still do film the same way. Essentially, it's the same. It's not pages turning, it's screen turning, right? Pages on the screen turning. Film the world, film the film, film the self. The fact that they're on this piece of highway that's under construction and it's not completed by the date that it should have been completed by, mm-hmm. otherwise they wouldn't have gone that route, yeah. is every one of those signs that we see in our lives... Yeah. That shit was supposed to be done in May. Yeah, what is, it's uh, June. What does Miles Dyson say? He was like, it's completed on the map. <laughs> right? Yeah. So you take, you take that, and even though you don't think about, yeah, you know how many times I've been in traffic and I expect it to be done in August 1 because that's when school started and we're still doing it in September 15th. Yeah. We've all been through that. We've all been through construction. We've all been through construction that's late. And you want to know why construction's late on purpose? Here, I'll give you the... Yeah. The highway department bases their budget on the amount of money they spend in the current fiscal year. So it's in their best interest for the previous year to overspend on purpose. So they're allocated the money in the next year. That's why they're all, it's not that they're really behind schedule. It's they need it to be behind so they can spend more money to build the budget for the next year. That's how government works. (laughs) Welcome to bureaucracy 101 and rice smile films. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Screenwriting 101, bureaucracy. We'll tackle world peace next week. We've all been there. Yeah. Not with the bureaucratic establishment of government funding for the highway department. Yeah. But you go down the road and it says to be completed are the dates under construction July 1 through July 17th final. And July 17th yeah, comes. Tack on nine months to that. <laughs> and you're like, it's October. Yeah. And then usually around December, especially where we live. Yeah. They realize they didn't do something right. They have to tear it up and start all over again, which goes back to the funding for the. Yeah. Everything that they put in this script is so germane on a level that you and I will never do with a bomber making us go 50 miles an hour, but everything else is. Mm -hmm. Everything else is. You want the person who's the cop to be respectful and call you ma'am and sir. I want the cop to care about my safety more than them. I want people to understand the value of family. I hope we see our baby. Voted. I also get the man, although I don't really, I hope I never get the man sticking it to me when I can no longer do my job mm-hmm. and your parting gift. It's why it's a gold watch because it's so common because it's so ridiculous. Here's 25 years. You get a watch for time because of the time that I spent here and what I have little I have left. And what I, kind of a I, weird gift is that? Yeah. And you blew up my hand. <laughs> so I can't even wear it anymore. Cause this thing is so mangled. It is. I have to use my phone cross body because I, I can't I, even I, use this what, hand. What an acting choice. He tucks <laughs> on his phone with the right hand because his left hand's blown to hell. But he listens on his left ear. I know. I get it. I kind of get it. (laughs) All of those things make what is a completely out of this world, spectacular concept, 
much more relatable to what you and I do every day. Oh, yeah. I would say in some ways more relatable than what happens in Die Hard. I wouldn't say it's a better movie than Die Hard, but, you know. Yeah, I don't think we've run into a lot of European Euro trash terrorists in our day-to-day, but I think there's a lot more relatability here, for sure. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah, with this, it just keeps taking one turn after the other. The next turn now is a genius move by, by Jack. You know, Jesse, that you, you hung me up. I hope we see our baby. I hadn't even thought about it. Like, you're right. Never noticed it that before. That is loaded. Yeah. Do they think they're going to die? Do they hope they survive? Like, I, I don't know. The film, it's not the film's responsibility to give us a definitive answer, but we care about those people, right? Humanizing people. That's what matters. Every, all those people, even the gangbanger who shot the driver, we kind of care about him too. I kind of feel like he shoots him because he's afraid he's going to get deported. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? I mean, it's just, you have, it's, it, the bus is a melting pot, essentially. I mean, you have a, a, a Asian woman. I mean, you have this this black couple, Hispanics, Gigantor, the muscle. I mean, like, yeah, he, he's he's Mexican. It's just it's it's an interesting supporting cast. And until you like really pay attention, like, and I said, like, you're doing these episodes. Like, there's like just an extra watchful eye with these little details. You you kind of miss some of this stuff if you watch it in the theater. It's kind of the shame with watching stuff in the theater, right? You can't rewind and be like, let me watch that again. Or let me pop those subtitles on just to hear what they said, right? Yeah. Uh, but Jack gets them to the LAX, right? And so... Great like, choice. What a great decision he makes like that. Yeah. Turn right, turn right, turn right. Yep. Miles Dyson, it was like, he's like, got a boy, Jack. He's like, like that's, he's like, the airport, there's thousands of people there. He's like, but lots of traffic. They could just drive around in circles, right? Yep. No, we can get away of all these other barriers. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I got to get off this bus. You got to let me have one. I got to negotiate for you. People, it's like nine o'clock in the morning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's still early. They're waiting for his money. Meanwhile, they find out who this guy is. He's a uh, disgruntled Atlanta bomb squad guy uh, who settled in Los Angeles. And yeah, it's 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 a pension dispute, right? It's right. just like I got screwed. And this is funny because I watched two movies this week, Speed, and then I watched uh, Over the Weekend, it's a mad, 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 mad world. And Spencer Tracy in that one is also disgruntled with his pension dude him for solving the big case. I mean, like, this is a theme, right? Yeah. It's kind of a boomer thing too, right? Sure. <laughs> well, of, of age to get retirement. Yeah, yeah. sure, right? Yeah. yeah, so it just seems like, yeah, I'm screwed. Like, what am I going to do? What's yeah. my reaction to that? Yeah. So they go to his house and careful with the boomer thing because this gen xers on a retirement yeah sure yeah i'll I'll be okay (laughs) call me a boomer i'll I'll watch my words uh they they go to they go to howard's house it's a trap right it's brutal i mean and jeff Jeff daniels knows that the second that red light comes on this motion detector or whatever he knows he's toast and it's kind of sad i mean early on in the script too i found out graham yo it was supposed it was written in that harry temple was going to be in on it or part of the plan and I'm glad they got that out of there, right? Oh, me too. I mean, it's just like it's better as like a support role. Really? So he was going to be working with him. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, we don't need that, right? That's too. That's too <laughs> convenient. We, yeah, this isn't really twisty, surprisey kind of thing. Yeah, we don't need like an eleventh hour twist of oh yeah, I'm in on it too. No, yeah. the film's already like got us like on an eleven right now. Like we don't need any more. At least to say, you know, Jack goes underneath the bus to assess the bomb. And he can't do anything with it. It's got like a trip wire. If he tries to cut it, it's going to blow. And then like a piece of like rubber from the tire that got blown out from mm-hmm. 
the spikes. the spikes on the entrance to the airport, right? Yep. yep. Dislodges his little uh, underneath a little vehicle there while he's investigating, and now he's got he jams a screwdriver into the gas tank, and so now, well, what would we call this? This is we're in Act Two, but this is. Things are getting a whole lot worse before they're ever going to get better. But this is an extra added, like, anecdote time challenge. Yeah. Okay, now we got to get the people off the bus because we can't go below 50. But now we're going to run out of gas, too. So even if we go above 50, we're going to go below 50. Oh, my. That's... And it is draining so fast. He says he has 10 minutes. They've got about three minutes. I love it. It's just, an, you, you didn't think it could go there. And the film just is like, yeah, we're going there. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, what else more could happen? And... It's this genius moment, right? His freak out leads to the discovery of Dennis Hopper has kept calling Sandra Bullock over the phone. You keep that wildcat or something like you you and that wildcat. And she's got this sweater, right? This Arizona, University of Arizona wildcat sweater. And I, I love this little note he throws. He's like, good football team. And she's like, yeah, I guess so. I wouldn't really know. It's like, yeah, 94 Arizona Wildcats football team must have been dynamite because they're trash. Well, I don't know why he just didn't do basketball. Yeah, well, basketball is the Lute Olsen heyday. Yeah, exactly. Come on. Yeah, I thought the same thing too. I was like, yeah, Arizona Wildcat basketball, I would have got it. Yeah. Football, yeah. I was like, yeah, maybe. Maybe. Oh, that year they won nine games? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Made the Holiday Bowl? Oh, they were great that year. Who? Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. But he finds the camera, right? Yep. The CCTV, and he's watching the whole bus. And so we get to the moment you alluded to earlier, which is one of the other great reasons we went to the airport was the news copters can't fly restricted airspace so they can't see what we're trying to do but howard can watch what we're doing inside the bus so that's how he knows right miles dyson goes to the local news crew and there's a uhf signal on that bus i want you to find it i want you to tape it and then i want you to run over the tape I don't know if, again, I don't know if it's possible. I don't care if it's possible. The film makes me believe it's possible, and that's all I care about. Hack the signal, use his own signal to videotape them on the bus just driving, record it, loop it, get out of the signal, tape it, put it together in a continual loop, hack back into his signal, and give him that video. I doubt that's possible, but I'm good with it at this point. You buy it, right? Sure, it's short, sweet, it's it's smart enough, but not so out there that it's... And dude, Miles Dyson's yelling, he's like, run it, run it! <laughs> yeah, we didn't, ju- we didn't jump the shark at all. No. I it's... totally buy that. And they only get like a minute of footage, right? Because they're low on gas. Yep. You got to run it right now, Mac, like we got to get these people off. So yep. this it's either this or we blow up. Yep. And this is the moment too, like we get these people off the bus finally and it's, you know, the, the ramps are falling down, you know, Cameron Fry's like hanging off by the <laughs> side of the thing. It's all very exciting. And then Sandra Bullock and Keanu, they get off and they slide across the thing as the bus careens down the tarmac. Unmanned, right? Mm-hmm. This is a great piece of trivia. People are going to love this little nugget. So the bus crashes into a plane that has a logo on it called Pacific Courier. That's not a real company. So Pacific Courier is the same name as the box truck that Hans Gruber drives into Nakatomi Plaza. No kidding. Yeah. So I don't know whose idea it was that 20th Century Foxes be like, you know what, throw a Pacific Courier logo on that thing, and these things just happen in the same world, so why not? That's awesome. That's cool, right? That's a post-credit scene in a Marvel film. Yeah, it is. The Pacific Courier truck shows up again in Die Hard with a Vengeance, so... That's great. Yeah. 
And this thing blows like crazy, right? Oh yeah, it's the <laughs> biggest explosion from a plane in the history of all explosions. But you can't really expect a little explosion here, can you? No, yeah, we, it blows up like fifteen times. We we built it up so much. We want a big explosion. It's Death Star levels of explosions on this runway. You kind of think the movie is like, okay, we're settling over, we're wrapping up. Like we'll figure out the villain thing, but like, what's going on? Well, oh, boom, Act Four. <laughs> Okay, so let me tell you about that for a minute. Okay. So my daughter watched this with us last night. And as much as she was bored to tears in Jurassic Park, she was into this. Or Jurassic whatever, Dominion, whatever the hell that one was last. What was it? Dominion, yeah. Jurassic Park Dominion. Okay. An audible sigh when they cream in the grass and come to a stop was from her. It's almost like a relief gasp, right? Literally. <laughs> like, oh, like white knuckling moment finally over. <sighs> That's really, really telling. Yeah. And it was for me too. Like I had forgotten all about the after the bus bit of this film. I forgot there was this whole fourth scene, as you said. But you know why also it works? And the same way horror and comedy work with laughters and screams. Okay. Oh, God, you relieve the tension. Which primes you to be a fresh slate for more tension sure. and build it back up again. Mm-hmm. It's such a smart... It's a roller coaster, right? Right. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what beat this is because we've already done kind of crisis conflict resolution per the way the beat should go. You know, we're making up beats at this point. Now we're going to crisis conflict resolution... Part two. <laughs> part two. Or you might even say, if, if I guess we're going to do the beats... This might be, in a weird way, the, the second act reversal. Oh, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Because you can argue things are worse off now for him than they were prior to even getting on the bus. Yeah. Because now his pseudo-girlfriend is about to be blown to kingdom come. Yeah. Well, yeah, Keanu thinks he's in for some afternoon delight, uh, but there's a mm. job to be done still. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> uh, I love that. I love the line, too, where he tells him he doesn't know it blew up. So let's play to that strength, right? Mm-hmm. Almost like a strategy. I mean, he's like a quarterback on the field yeah. here. And let's play to that. And then when he finds out and he just like loses his mind, like it's it's the Asian woman, like her skirt like goes like forward and then like, um, yeah, she like moves it and he like just loses his mind. But he dresses up as, in his old cop uniform, finds Sandra Bullock because she doesn't know who this guy is. Oh, come with me. Oh, Jack told me this and this and that. And. He's like, put the tracker on, like, the thing. Of course he's got this thing figured out, right? This guy's the Joker, right? Yeah. He's got every exit and uh, avenue planned, so he's stolen this thing right through the trash, the money, uh, through the metro. We get this great delivery here, too. Matt, you got to listen for the very last line, because it made me crack up. Okay. (laughs) You still don't get it, do you, Jack? Huh? The beauty of it. A bomb is made to explode. That's its meaning, its purpose. Your life is empty because you spend it trying to stop the bomb from becoming. And for who? For what? Do you know what a bomb is, Jack, that doesn't explode? It is a cheap gold watch, Mm. buddy. Mm. You're crazy. You're fucking crazy. No, poor people are crazy, Jack. I'm eccentric. Get the money. Let's go. Come on. Let's go. Move it. Move it. You stay. Move it. Move it. In the door. In that door now. Bye, Jack. Punk. 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 <laughs> <I love> <laughs> Punk. 
had the subtitles on and I read it and it said punk and I was like, he didn't say it. I was like, what's he going? And then he like leaves, closes the door and is like, punk. Love it. <laughs> A parting line yeah. to you shithead you. <laughs> <laughs> that is great. Mm-hmm. What's also great in that is, do you know what a bomb is that doesn't explode? Yeah. It's a cheap gold watch. Yeah. Oh. Spurned, right? Man, I get it, dude. I get it. Like, I don't agree with what you're doing, but I get why you're so pissed. Yeah, this is an extreme way to go about proving that you deserve something, but yeah, I, I, I do understand. That's really well written. Yeah. So we got this final chase on, on the Metro subway here, and yeah, this is excite- just as exciting as the bus stuff. I mean, we get we get on the train, and he handcuffs Sandra Bullock to one of the, the like the hanging on bars. So she's stuck in there. Mm -hmm. He kills the driver and shoots up all the machinery. So this thing's just driving on its own. And then it's the, the color bag, right? In the, in the money, which is like a classic, like robbery, robbery one one is like a lot of the money's laced with these things just to like ruin it. Right. So you can't use it. And he freaks out. So then him and the camera's on the roof of this thing. So they go fisty cuffs on the roof of a speeding train. Mm -hmm. And, what, what do you think of this kind of this trigger that he has? If he lets go of it, she blows up, right? Yeah. So I love the foresight to Keanu. It's like, okay, I got to get this guy. He's kicking my ass. I got to get him off me. But I got to grab, I got to, we got to exchange hands, right? Mm-hmm. And then we got to, I got to like dispose of him some way. He flops his head off <laughs> with this speeding thing. And it's just, it's it's really good. He's got the, the trigger and... Yeah, we think, oh, they saved, we can get out of here, but we can't stop the train now. We don't have the key to the handcuffs. What do you do, right? What do you do? And another great moment to Jack's character, like really being behind it, Sandra Bullock starts crying like, this is it. Like, this is the end of the world. She's going to die. And she just kind of like, kind of cowers into this like curled up stance. And what does he do? He goes and curls up right next to her, right? Mm -hmm. If she's going out, he's going out too. Love it. And so when this thing, this subway just, again, under construction, <laughs> barrels through all this construction and right onto Hollywood uh, Sunset Boulevard here in front of Grauman's Chinese Theater, uh, in front of all these tourists, her line at the end of this is, they survived this thing miraculously, is you didn't leave me. Yeah. It speaks to what she's ever experienced in the past, which is probably a lot of horrible lovers. Right. Mm-hmm. And his character. Yeah. It's perfect. It's a great ending. So again, we've gone oh, the first time to, and now, Oh, cause now the relationship is the big reward that they're both going to get with each other. Yeah. Until speed two comes out. We'll talk about that in here in a second. <laughs> Good. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a very exciting ending. Act four. This is Ripley on that little mini ship, right? When the alien mm-hmm. and she's got to jettison that thing out, right? Too. We're yeah. tacking on just a little extra section for just a little bit more. Mm-hmm. You had a good ride up to this point, but we're going to give you just a little bit more of a taste. So. Just a little bit more. There's not a lot of movies that do that. I mean, a lot of movies follow that simple three act structure, but some go outside of that and we're like, yeah, here's, here's just an extra anecdote to that too. And mm-hmm. most of the time it, I think it works. Yeah, me too. And that's not typical screenwriting, you know, parameter. Yeah. But uh, I have a few, I have a few anecdotes uh, here on top of that. So that's the end of the movie. We get our credits and we go into some nineties uh, <laughs> rock song yeah. here. 
so Graham Yost was inspired by, I've never seen this movie. I don't know if you have, but with John Voight, it was inspired by the movie Runaway Train. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he, he kind of thought, he was like, what if we just put a bomb on top of this instead of it just being running amok? There was also a bomb element to it. So that's kind of gave him the idea to, to, to write the thing. So I mentioned to you too that Fox didn't want it to take place entirely on the bus. So that's why they kind of added this ending in cold open to kind of keep it, keep it a little fresh, right? Uh, okay. What do you think of these casting choices okay. for, I know you're not going to like any of the, well, we'll see. Stephen Baldwin? No. Tom Hanks? No way. Yeah. Woody Harrelson? Wesley Snipes? Yes, but that's called Passenger 57. Yeah, that's another diehard on a plane, mm-hmm. right? And Tom Cruise? Maybe. It's a little too, I, I don't know. He makes it too big, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, Keanu's. Did all of them pass before he took it? No, I think uh, I think Steven passed. Whoops. <laughs> Foolishly, right? Yeah. And I think other people were just in, I, I don't know how that works, right? I don't know if it's like, Someone gets an offer, they pass, and then they just start going through the names, and these are people that they thought about talking to, or they did, or they read, or they auditioned. Like, I don't know. These are just names that I pulled. Mm. Uh, I, I'd be curious to know more about how the audition process works on, like, what's an actual offer, who reads, and who's, like, in real consideration other than just, like, a rumor. Yeah. Because some of these are probably just like, you know what, what about Tom Hanks? And people are like, no, that's stupid. Move on. Right. <laughs> and so it ends up in the trivia thing. What do you think of Halle Berry or Kim Basinger and Annie? Yeah, both those would work. I'm okay with either one of those. Yeah. Uh, okay, this was kind of the, the the big moment. So River Phoenix died in the middle of this production. Oh, really? Yeah. So it in my research, it, it really spun Keanu out. Like he was in the middle of this thing. It was really hard for him to really get into a lot of this and... To the director's credit, they restructured a lot of the scheduling to do a lot of the easier, less heavy scenes for Keanu and then, like, work their way back into it respectfully, right? Yeah, let him recover a bit. Yeah. It's crazy, right? I mean, yeah. that Viper Room, man, I just, it's, that's, that's a movie. <laughs> yes, it is. You're right. Jeez, yeah, the, the, those guys were tight. And, you know, it's just, like, everything spurned out of that death situation. I mean, there's a lot of people tied to that thing, right? Mm-hmm. Isn't Juliet Lewis, mm-hmm. Joaquin Phoenix mm-hmm. is spurned out of that thing too. And it's just, there's a lot of actors and actresses part of that. Right. That is a movie. You're right. Yeah. That's a really good movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, they made a movie about CBGBs. I think the Viper room's right there. Sure. Why not? Mm-hmm. This comes out in 94. Uh, let me do the numbers. We haven't done this in a while, but it's because a lot of new movies, we don't know where like the totals are at that given point. <clears throat> But I want to do this. $30 million budget. $30 million, right? Mm. That's kind of surprising. Yeah. This looks higher. 60, 70, maybe? Yep. They got a lot of bang for their buck. $350 million gross. Boom. That's huge. That's pretty man. good ROI, right? Yeah. And uh, that's speed. It won a couple of Academy, like Technical Academy Awards. But yeah, this was, I think, the fifth highest grossing of 94. Good year. Pretty good year. Yeah. For an R-rated action film? Yeah. Yeah, not bad. What's your favorite? I'm curious. What's your favorite tasting note of Speed? The scene when he's on the undercarriage underneath the bus trying to disarm the bomb. And the debris is bouncing up and eventually the cable runs out. And he's just kind of freewheeling it with the jaws of life as the tire ready to chomp him. He's rolling backwards. The tires are coming forwards. 
he can't even kick himself off of that tire. He kicks himself off that tire and his foot's getting crushed underneath. Like you've just got to avoid it. It's like Raiders, right? It's like Raiders. Yeah. Exactly. That's per action. My favorite bit in this movie. It's so well done. And I believe that even when he takes that screwdriver and sticks in there, which if you think about the angle, you would have to do that and how much strength it would take to keep your body from being drugged on the ground underneath the bus at 50 miles an hour plus. Cause the asphalt's going to chew you up. And you get on there and a foot goes sideways and it catches a rock and it gets underneath you and your knees go underneath you. And like for him to be able to hold himself and pull himself up that way. And that's, what's really great yeah. is when they pull open the trap door and the crew of the bus pull him up in there. Not only is it return to that community, but you can see the struggle on how hard, like I can make a joke about core strength here and it's clearly <laughs> <laughs> important, but that's the only fulcrum that he has to pull himself up it's on. It's like that, all, Jesse. all this, right? Yes. Yeah. It's a full I, body body crunch to get into that. Thing. I don't think I could do it. <laughs> I don't think I could either. And then you can't even use your hands for leverage on the device because they're in the hands of the people that are pulling you at a way your body physically can't go. Yeah. Well, you can't, you can't pull someone in a C yeah. when they're erect, trying to keep themselves from being dragged underneath the bus. Yeah. But he gets in there. I'm, and for me, I'm like, oh my God, it, it, I would be dead 10 times already. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I wouldn't have made the jump onto the bus. <laughs> I mean, just to even so stupid to get on the undercarriage and try to disarm the bomb. Cause not, he's not the bomb expert. Harry. Jeff Dan, Harry. Yeah. Harry is, yeah. but he's going to try it. Mm. Talk about risking life and limb. You think, you know, stick your arm in an elevator that might be going down. That's small potatoes compared to this. I was watching it last night and I was. I was thinking, I was like, is there a way out of this? If he gently laid himself on the pavement and just rolled hard to the side. <laughs> yeah. You just don't want to hit your head. Right. Right. I was like, I don't think there's a way out of that. I mean, it's like, hang on for dear life. Can you get out of the way quick enough to avoid the side of the bus as an exit before the tire chews you up? Yeah, that I think moment, the answer is no. Yeah. That moment's nuts. It's just, and it's just like when he pulls himself up, he's like, he's yeah. like I believe it. <laughs> that's too. what it would take. Yeah. Uh, mine's the chase to get onto the bus. It's just the music and him mm. driving that. I don't know what kind of Jeep or whatever he's got. The Jag. It's kind of, no, no, not the Jag, the, his car. Oh, his, yeah. Whatever kind of Toyota, whatever vehicle that is. That's got this kind of a cool car and him to get on that thing. It's just, it's very exciting. And everyone's very confused on what he's doing. They think he has a hard on for the bus and he just got to get on the bus. Yeah. <laughs> and he finally does. And it's just like, we know why. And it's just like, can he get him the info before it's too late? And yeah. it's just like, you're on the edge of your seat and you're just like, yeah, I don't know. Right. Uh, it's a great moment. Mm -hmm. What's your, Oh my God! moment of speed. When Dennis Hopper's head gets lopped off by that, under like a light that red light mm -hmm. exit sign or whatever it is. I, I didn't think they were going to do him that way. I thought maybe he'd fall off, but they watch you let you get decapitated. We're talking. That's a dummy too. And it's great. You see the whole thing. I think decapitation scenes in film really bother me. Mm. Hereditary. Clearly that one was oh, yeah, that's, second to that's none. an all timer. Just watching his head just get lopped off. Mm -hmm. Rough. Good choice. That happens to Dr. Strange too. We revisited Dr. Strange this last week. The first one. Yeah, man. Yeah. They don't, you see the shadow, it's still pretty gruesome. Yeah. Whack. Off goes the head of that Sorcerer Supreme that Mads Mickelson does in at the beginning. Good choice. Thanks. Um, Yours. I think I'm going to go with the bus moment. It, it's a moment so preposterous. I think even Mythbusters, Mythbusters did an episode on it and said, yeah, this is impossible. When it jumps? Yeah. 
would the, it would just crack in half, wouldn't it? Yeah, or just it wouldn't make it. It would just fall between the gap. Yeah, because it's it's too big of a vehicle. But I don't care. It's the midpoint moment of the film where this is either going to make or break it, and I think it makes the film more exciting going forward. Sure. It's, it's in the trailer. It's on the poster. It's, it's, I think what people remember is like, you remember when the bus jumped that gap? Like, yeah, I do. So mm-hmm. that's what I'm going to go with. Yeah. I'm curious to what you're going to say here. Who's the master distiller on speed? Is it Mr. Yost? I, if you had asked me before the podcast, I would have told you it was Keanu. It's close. But we've spent an awful lot of time today talking about the writing piece of this. Mm-hmm. We spent a lot of time talking about Keanu too. Yeah. But we've talked about him already in the past and I've given that award out. So yeah. to be a fair fella, I think I'm going to give it to Mr. Yost, Good the choice. screenwriter. Um, I know you, I should have done that. Who's cool. on this? What else? What else? Yeah, did he write? not a whole lot else. Is this it? Really? Hey, he did some, he was an executive producer on the Americans uh, Good show. T- TV show. But like in terms of writing credit, I don't think it ever, it never got as big as this. Wow. Uh, it's a shame, right? I mean, for spec, I mean, this is this is a pretty good get. Uh, this movie comes out and it's a huge hit. Let me let, let me let me do. I, I want to make sure I'm not wrong on that because that name, Broken Arrow. Okay, that's okay. That's uh, Christian Slater and um, Jack Nicholson, right? No, uh, it's Christian Slater and uh, Ed Norton, Travolta. Tra- oh, yeah. okay. But yeah. the, he also did Hard Rain, which is uh, Snipes, Christian Slater, and uh, Morgan Freeman. Oh, right. Maybe I never saw that. Uh, Mission to Mars, yeah. uh, Planet of the Apes. Uh, the, the first one. The Tim Burton one. He wrote two episodes of Band of Brothers. Uh, it's a lot of TV. The Pacific, Justified, Falling Skies, The Americans. That's okay. He's got yeah, a that's, decent, that's decent, he's not, got a, nothing to shake your head at, but like nothing like theatrically, I think, as big as this film. So, With what I'm sure, I'm really excited to hear what you have to tell me about the director because I'm sure it's like he had nothing else that he ever did after this. I, You know, it almost sounds like... Mm-hmm. This movie kind of caught a little bit of lightning in a bottle, didn't it? Yeah. Like, there's a lot of reasons this shouldn't have worked out. But yeah. you know what maybe saved the day? Yeah. That the production team got out of the way enough to let them do the film, with the exception of the hard, cold open and the fourth the fourth scene, the fourth um, Act four, yeah. Act four. Yeah. Maybe. But it's the heyday of spec, so there you go. Well, I'll give you the answer because he's my master distiller. I'm going to go Yandabont. I mean. I hear this. What, what a well-directed film. The, from the action, it's so clear. Everything's exciting. I mean, this guy is in. He read this script that was given to him. It was just like I know what this movie is, <laughs> and he cast it well. I mean, like this this thing is in such good hands. So, his follow up to this, I mentioned this movie last week. The second highest grossing movie of 1996. The only movie that made more money than this movie was Independence Day. And it was Twister was Yandabon's follow up to this. Two big ones in a row. So boom, boom, right? Oh, so, here we go. Yeah, this so is it's like, what are you following? Orson Welles territory. What are you following up these two massive summer movie hits with? We're going back to this franchise. Lady in the Water. And we're doing Speed 2 Cruise Control. It was him. Yeah. So that's a huge miss, right? Yes. And so let's talk about this. So we'll get into this a little bit with the nightcap, but I think a lot of that movie, and I, I've maybe seen that movie more than this one. That was an HBO oh, yeah. midday staple. Yeah. Like I, I, <laughs> For years. So I watched that Jason Patrick and his receding hairline. Yeah. And arguably they upgraded the villain to Willem Dafoe. Yeah. Like uh, sign me up. Yeah. That movie's a disaster. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it was, it cost too much and it made, very little ROI. And then he followed that up with his remake of 
1999's The Haunting with mm-hmm. Liam Neeson and Catherine Zeta-Jones. I'm going to yell at this ghost, and that's why he'll go away. Those are two really huge, big-budget bombs, right? Yeah. So after that, I think he did the second Lara Croft Tomb Raider sequel with Angelina Jolie, and he hasn't made a movie since 2002. Mm. Yeah, right? Boy, he was close. You get keys to the kingdom, and then, yeah, if you bomb, they get taken away. I want to ask you a question because I know you did the research on this too. Why Patrick in Speed 2 and not Keanu Reeves? Was he busy for something else? He didn't like the script. Are you serious? He passed. He said, this is a stupid story. I'm out. Why didn't Sandra Bullock say no? She got to be the headline, right? I mean, she's billed over Jason Patrick in that thing. She's the returning character from that film. So Is that really true? He read it and said, I, this is terrible. Yeah. <laughs> that guy is so smart. He was right. And he's right. So that's what I was getting to. It's... Although we, we lost our lead, Keanu, I think was part of the thing that made this machine work and location, right? Yeah. The bus is exciting. A fucking cruise ship isn't. I've been on one. They you know, suck. You just eat and drink the whole time. Yeah, and get seasick when you get yes. off the boat, man. Which, I mean, I mean yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> it's like, it's such a downgrade. So yeah, there's a reason I think that movie, and it's PG-13, so there was a little safer... I, like I said, I watched the hell out of it. So as a youth, I, I really dug it, but uh, no, not a fan. And so two big bombs, that's why you don't get to play in Hollywood anymore. You're right. It's a shame, right? I mean, I don't think the guy's a terrible director. I loved it. I told you last week, I spung, sung the praises of Twister. <laughs> so weird. You would think that after those two, which Twister's 96. Yep. There had to be something big in like an action thing in 98 that he, he had to have been up for. Twister was like... Another spec Michael Crichton screenplay that's like 650 million worldwide. Like, those are absurd numbers on spec, right? What year is the second Mission Impossible? Is that 97? The second one? Yeah. It's 2000. First yeah. one's so about this time, too. First it, one's got to be like. That's 96 as well. Yeah. Man, he, he would have been perfect for that. Mm-hmm. I think that film's fine the way it is. Which one? First Mission Impossible. The first one's good. Yeah, not the second one. No, the second one's terrible. Yeah, that's a John Woo vehicle. Doves included. Uh, yeah, the mystery of Jan de Bont, Weird. The, the DP of Die Hard. Like, I've always remembered that name because Twister was a, like a staple in my household. Mm. My parents loved that movie, and I loved it too. I still love it. And we saw it in the theater when it came out, and so like I always just remembered like everything about Twister and Speed are actually the perfect double feature. There's yeah. some Alan Rucks in Speed. There's some crossover cast. It's another kind of just vehicle, like action, and both specs, right? Yeah, We don't get that often. You know what? I also really, this is not turning into the Twister podcast, but I want to say one thing about it. That's the beginning of Fleetwood Mac putting it back together, too. Mm. For the first time in like 20 years, that's when Buckingham Knicks are able to do a song together, and that Twisted song they do in that is fucking fantastic. You know who else is on that soundtrack? Is Van Halen. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great soundtrack. And I don't even know if the Twisted song is in the film. It might be post-credits. It's been a long time since I've seen that one too. But that was when they started to kind of put it back together a little bit. Again, I know you don't love that genre, but we might want to just maybe put that one in our back pocket because Jamie Gertz, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Carrie Alway's like... There's a ton to talk about in that thing. It's funny you brought up Jamie Gertz because she's coming up in the next couple of weeks for me in a very serious discussion of what should have been. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I don't want to say because it's one of the films we're going to cover when this cast, but off mic, I'll tell you. Real quick. The, again, this isn't the Twister podcast, but I found this out while watching it the last week that they weren't going to greenlight the movie unless they could visually 
show the twisters with CGI. Mm. So they did a test, like some test footage first, and that's what gave them the green light to move forward on the project. Mm. What restraint, right? What restraint? If this sucks, we move on. If this is good, we're a go. Well, and you know what? That's smart because the twisters in that movie don't work. None of the strained relationship between our characters and the rival teams matters at all. I got to tell you, that movie's nearly 30 years old. I think they still looked pretty good. So to that. You know, I don't like the natural disaster film, but I will say this. Mm-hmm. That's one that I won't run away from. Like Which, in the, in the ant twister. Oh yeah. In the annals of the, like that movie for me, I'm okay with that one. We'll put it in the back pocket, right? Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Excellent. Sounds good. Let's wrap this up with our nightcap. Um, Jesse, you forgot something. We're supposed to rate the film. Yes. I'm too excited about but all you this, liked it, the yeah. sound and everything. Okay. Yondaban's career and everything that was supposed to lead us into the ratings, but we just jumped right into the end. But yeah, how are you going to rate and grade speed? Rock gut, well, call, single barrel, or top shelf? It's single barrel plus. Not quite top shelf, but really close. Uh, the more we talked about it today, the more I started to really appreciate some elements. I liked it before a lot. Yeah. But this conversation to me today was really, really good. And you brought up a couple things I hadn't thought about. Uh, simple if you want it to be. Fun if you want it to be. Cerebral enough if you need it to be. Really well cast. Um, a brand new idea. I mean, as much as it's Die Hard on a Bus, we hadn't seen that. So I'm going to give it. That's mm-hmm. why it's more of the single barrel because it's got a uniqueness, one of a kind to it. Um, And I'm in a bit of a good space right now with summer stuff. Yeah. With the exception of the Jurassic disaster last week, <laughs> there's a, and we're going to see Elvis on Tuesday. Yeah. So that feels like a good sign of summer fun too. Um, did I say Tuesday, Wednesday? We're going to see Elvis on Wednesday. Um, I'm kind of in a good space for the first time in a long time with summer cinema fair. Yeah. We've struggled a lot with that, but with what's happened so far this summer, Thor's got a chance to really make this the first good, good summer, not just a, a moment or two, but a good summer in a while. And if Elvis is good too, of course. Yeah. There's, and a, then, few, there's a few other things in there as well. And we add this to it. Um, and just a fun, good popcorn. Yeah. Nineties greatness for what was good in the nineties film i just was so enjoyable i just was really i just enjoyed myself thoroughly last night in the film a good pick yep yeah it was good job this one was yours so good job Uh-oh, i was coming i was <laughs> <laughs> rock cut yeah no <laughs> no no i i came in here to like you know i had my thoughts about the film and the reason i wanted to pick it was because you know I, I really do enjoy it and there's a lot of elements i, I like about it. so i was fully prepared to come in here single barrel locked down Signed, sealed, delivered. Oh, wow. Here we go. Stevie Wonder. Based on what we talked about and everything, this is top shelf. Yeah. This is a top shelf action film that I, I don't think I would have ever said that prior to this conversation. I but know. The dissection of the screenplay, the characters, talking about Reeves, Bullock, and Dennis Hopper. I think this this film's a whole lot more special than I think people give it credit for. And 
again, I think I'm in a good space with you as well. Like I'm, I'm like in the mood right now for just like entertain me summer action. Like, like we can get weird again. Like, Oh yeah. I'll get, let's get Mandy weird again. Like I'm okay. Like I'll always be in that mood. But like right now I'm like, let's just blow it up and like, tell me a good story. Give me some good characters and like, let's have a good time with it. And man, like this is like the definition of that. Okay. So look, man, high concept spec gold, well cast. That was the entertaining. I, I'm, I, can I retract my rating? Cause sure. I, you're braver than me. Yeah. I kind of think I'm with you. Yeah. It may not be the toppest of the top shelves. Yeah. But I know Die Hard, I think is still a better action film. Well, that's like one of the 10 greatest films of all time. Yeah. But when we start talking about this is a spec. Yeah. This is the way it's structured with like anecdote act four and then like <laughs> reversal recognition that like the, like what we think is the, like the midpoint, like it's, it's kind of a genius screenplay. And we usually do one of these once a year, but this is probably our screenplay episode for this year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can't believe it. It's it, And I'm a fraud if I can tell you that my nine-year-old daughter was wickedly entertained, and I was, and then we can have a cerebral discussion about it. Of course, the, the, yeah, this is top shelf. I was in my, yeah. my rating. I'm going with you. This is top shelf. Cool. A movie that's nearly 30 years old. I think that's that's the crazy part, too. So, yeah, it's just I, I didn't think that coming into this. Yeah. And then this conversation, and it's just it's smart, it's fun, it's exciting to hour and 51 minutes. It's just yay. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's it's it was a, this was a great rewatch. This like it got better watching it this time. So, mm, mm. to the show, to the show. To you, to you. To your rating, to Keanu. <laughs> to Jan Debon. To Jan. We should have him on the podcast. <laughs> probably could get him. I think he's got some time on his Jan Debon. Okay, for real this time. Let's wrap up with our nightcap. All right. You know I love music. This is a great theme Who is as that? well. Mark Mancina? Yeah. C-I-N-I? Yeah. I've seen that name before. No, yeah, he was. I think he was in a band. I'll look him up here in a second, but yeah, he had some screenplay creds or, or soundtrack credits around this time. So, okay, I'll let that play us out. Mm-hmm. Our nightcap this week, Matt, is give me your best diehard in a something that you think would be the most interesting to your knowledge that hasn't been done before. Okay, so this, we've played a little bit in this space before, but when you hear my whole concept, you'll give me the benefit of the doubt. I think it was Deepwater. That's the Mark Wahlberg oil drilling rig drig filling. Oh, Deepwater Horizon. Deep, yeah. Whatever the hell yeah. it was. Did I say Deepwater? That's mm-hmm. probably a horror film. Deep Rising with Treat Williams and Famke Jensen. <laughs> Who are you, Mr. Wow? <laughs> you remember about, that movie? Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> Famke Jensen. Yeah. All right. Die hard on a high speed oil drilling rig. Here's the premise though. The way Gruber is supposedly asking for the freedom for these terrorists. And it's really just to steal some money from the vaults. You can see the value in oil that the rig would be getting. And that's the cover. They're going to pipe into the line that's drilling steal the oil into offshore cargo boats and sell it to the Saudis for a fortune. 
but that's not really what they're after. This particular, that's the distraction. This particular rig has a special drill bit that guarantees the safest and deepest penetration into the earth's crust <laughs> cutting edge. That's what they're going to steal. Nice. So while they think that they're stealing oil, but in fact, because they've stolen the drill, bit, there's actually no oil that they're stealing in the pipes that they've perpendicularly attached to the drill bit vacuum system. Yeah. They've, they want to steal that particular technology. They want for the mechanism, that. right? They want the actual device. Good choice. That's what I want. I think I've mentioned a few times on this podcast before how I'm, for a setting, I like like an industrial, like factory, like sequences and stuff like RoboCop yeah. and things like that. It's just like oil rigs are right in that. Yeah. Like it's just like things you can jump on and hang off of and in oh, yeah. the middle of the ocean. The way that like a skyscraper and diehard would offer a terrible death to the ground because you're sort of trapped. Water does the same thing. I got to tell you, uh, and maybe it's just because Kurt Russell's in it. I kind of like that Deepwater Horizon movies. <laughs> yeah, no, I do too. I do too. Yeah. Uh, good choice. Thank you. Yeah, that's it's good location. It's mm -hmm. secluded, but like you can still do a lot on it. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, I got two for you. Uh, okay, I'll, cool. I'll, I'll give you, I think Die Hard in a shopping mall would be pretty cool. Mm. And, you know, we've seen scenes in like Commando and a few other movies that have like dabbled in there, but like a locked down shopping mall. The resources, cool. right? Yeah, I mean, that's cool. The shops you can jump in and out of. They've done some horror films in shopping malls, but like, give me like an action hostage movie in a shopping mall would probably be pretty cool. Like that. But a film I've always wanted to see, whether horror or action, but I'm using it here. I want Die Hard in a zoo. And oh, yeah. I don't even know what the plot is. Maybe it's some nonprofit that donated $2 million to the zoo and this nefarious agency wants to take it back. But I just want the animals let loose, right? Oh, that's awesome. And so you have some cop or something who has to like, mm -hmm. he's being chased by like a cougar or something. And then there's an ape and it's just, it'd just be like an animal crazy, like action fest. That's great. Every time I go to the zoo, like I'm always conflicted because I'm like, it's cool to see the, these animals, but like, like the, the, the sympathetic person to me is just like, mm -hmm. gosh, these animals are just like bacon in the heat and they're like little two by two foot cell. Like this, like I, I get a little anti-zoo when I go to the zoos. <laughs> I hear you. Yeah, yeah. So I can see the villain being a little anti-zoo and just like, let them out, let them out and yeah. like, let them run amok. So that's what I've always wanted to see, whether it's a horror film or if it's, it can, we could do a diehard in a zoo. So that's a great choice, Jesse. Yeah. Yeah, that's you know how much fun you could have with that. Well, you have reptiles, you have the creepy crawlies, you have your you know your lions, your cougars, your <laughs> your apes. You have your flying animals. You can have the whole sea element. I mean, yeah. much like speed, it could like expand on itself throughout the film. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, yep. So we'll see. Love it. They've done a lot of these films, right? Die yes. Hard on a Mountain, Cliffhanger, Vertical Limit. <laughs> Die Hard on a Cruise Liner. Yep. Die Hard on a Cruise. Die Hard on a Train, Plane. Uh, yeah. So many different ones. This the Speed made, made it popular again, right? Mm -hmm. It was like Speed figured out the formula and it was like, oh, we just need to like do a Die Hard on another thing. And they were all mostly terrible. Yeah. I watched Passenger 57 recently and it's it's okay. It's it's like nine, an hour and 27 minutes. So it's in and out before like it, it begins. Wesley Snipes has a weird weird filmography too he'd be, he has a, he'd weird, be a fun one he to has do. a weird career right <laughs> tax yeah. evasion and included <laughs> yeah yeah 
but a really important guy for you and me. Yeah. If it's not him and it's not Blade, we don't have any of the Marvel discussions yeah. we have. He made That's it. That's a big moment, right? He made it okay for me. Yeah. To be a Marvel fan and not, you know, like take my Marvel t-shirts out of the closet, not worry about getting my ass kicked. Yeah. Like he, he made it okay. Yeah. That was the start of it. To him. And yeah. We even talked about him tonight. Continuing on our 90s action vehicle next week. Matt, this is going to be so much fun. I don't even know the last time you saw this, but I've watched it a ton recently, at least three times in the last year. Wow. <laughs> Come watch it with me. We are dabbling into Mr. Tony Scott's The Last Boy Scout. Oh, God, I can't wait Bruce, for this film. Bruce Willis, Damon Wayne, screenplay by Shane Black. It has the great opening title song, Friday Night's a Great Night for <laughs> Yeah. It's 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 the best diehard sequel that isn't a diehard sequel. Yeah, it's like like I'll I'll paint an argument for you that this is actually John McClane just as a different character. <laughs> I, I can see that. When's the last time you saw it? Um, oh my god, it's been twenty years. Yeah, e easy. This this will be good. This will yeah. be this just it's just it's in this same vein of speed and we get to talk about Mr. Shane Black. I don't know. I don't think we've done an episode on him before. Didn't do Lethal Weapon? We haven't. We didn't do Lethal Weapon on the no, show? No, we haven't. So, oh, we've, I mean, we've talked around him a lot. Well, around him, yeah. So this is going to be our little Shane Is Black. that right? Really? Yeah. This is. Oh, no, we did Predator. We did Predator. Okay, Predator, yeah. He didn't really write. He ghost wrote it on the set, right? Mm -hmm. But this will be our first time to like really get into him and his little run there in the early 90s, right? Mm. This will be fun. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, to that, cheers. 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 I got to get going. I got to go run some errands. I am not going to get on a bus. I am not going to get on a train. I am going to sit in my car. I'm going to sit in traffic. I don't care if it's for three hours because I don't want to go through what these people went through. <laughs> okay, hotshot. If you've got satellite radio, it'll be just fine. Okay, excellent. <laughs> we'll see you all next week. Have a good week, everybody. We'll see you in the dark. Thank you for listening to Rye Smile Films. Be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And be sure to leave us a rating and a review while you're there. It really helps out the show. And for Rye Smile Films merchandise, go to tpublic.com. Speed is property of 20th Century Studios and the Mark Gordon Company, and no copyright infringement is intended. Until next time. Cheers. What do you do, Jack? Huh? What do you do? You're so smart, right, Jack? Shit! I'm the guy with the plan, because I'm smarter than you. I'm smarter than you. Yeah. Well, I'm taller.